0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dr. Bruno Sacco about developing a more compassionate work environment. Dr. Bruno Sanatko, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thank you very much. I really appreciate your invite. I really feel very honored to be here.
0: Thank you. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. I'm excited to have a conversation with you about a really important topic, and that is compassion in the workplace. How do we develop a more compassionate work environment? Why is that important for business? Uh, I think so, so often we get caught up in the daily grind of work and we have this kind of mindset around corporate culture and prof- you know, what we call quote unquote professionalism that we sometimes leave compassion and empathy and that human connection, those, those human relationships, we kind of leave that to the side. Uh, it's kind of sacrificed for efficiency and productivity. And certainly both they're not mutually exclusive, like we can have both. We can have a compassionate workplace that's also a productive and innovative workplace. And in fact, I would argue that if you want a sustainable organization that's innovative, that has high productivity, that has a competitive advantage where you bring value to the market, that it has to be a compassionate organization. Um, Yet, we, we often see a gap there. So I think we'll have a really interesting conversation today as we explore this together. As we get started, I just wanted to share Bruno's bio with everybody. Dr. Bruno Signaco is an international business consultant, international TEDx speaker, and business consultant. For over 20 years he has advised and trained hundreds of companies on international trade activities and international marketing. He is a university lecturer, he's a senior fellow of the higher education academy, he is also the author of a business and personal development uh, book series published in different languages. His new book is titled "The Art of Compassionate Business." Uh, wonderful, uh, Bruno. It's it's great to be with you. We share some commonalities. We're both university professors. I'm also a senior fellow with uh, Higher Education Academy. Um, so I don't I don't meet other. Um, senior fellows all that often, but that's that's a cool distinction. And we do consulting work and, and write and speak good. around these topics. And I think it's just so important that we get the message out about the importance of compassion in the workplace.
1: Very, very good. Thank you very much for the reading the bio. Uh, well, I want to comment that many companies do not act in a compassionate way uh, regarding their work environment. You see many companies, for example, that fire employees mercilessly that do not recognize employee contribution to business project, that company that utilize these human resources in a very merciless way. These are example of non-compassionate companies. During the pandemic, you see company that fire employees without giving any compensation. This is not a good role model regarding companies. But I want to say that there is a lot of research on compassionate business environment. First off, uh, we have to define what is a compassionate business environment? A compassionate business environment is a workplace where you have focus on both aspects. Quantitative aspect of business, for example, profits, market share, sales, productivity, and qualitative aspect of business. For example, what cannot be measured, such as camaraderie, loyalty, care, empathy, support. Many companies only focus on the quantitative aspect of business, what can be measured, what can be counted. But there is a famous thinker that observed not everything that counts can be counted and not everything that can be counted counts yeah. what is important for company to have a balance between between quantitative aspect of business that are important for business survival and success and also qualitative aspect of business why because business is about relationship and in the workplace relationships are very important these internal stakeholders need to nurture this relationship because most of the business projects are undertaken by groups, teams. So you need to support one another. According to research, a work environment that are supportive, compassionate, caring, tend to bring about higher employee satisfaction, higher customer satisfaction. Why? Because employees that are happy, that are satisfied, tend to bring about better customer service. But also, these environments tend to bring about a lower employee turnover, lower employee absenteeism and lower stress levels. All these indicator impact positively on the bottom line.
0: So that, that's absolutely true. Everything you just said, amen. Um, there's a clear business case for a compassionate workplace and a human-centered, a human-centric uh, organizational culture. There's a clear business case for it. There's also, of course, a human case for it, like morally and ethically. You know, we don't want to treat people like cattle. We want to treat them like people. We want to treat them as human beings with dignity and respect. We don't want to exploit them or abuse them. Um, And if we're looking for a sustainable organization, we have to recognize that it's the people of the organization that are going to allow us to maintain a competitive advantage to innovate and drive new products and services. So the two are interconnected. There's the business case, there's the human case, they go hand in hand. The, The question then becomes, so why are there so many organizations that don't act in a compassionate way that don't have a compassionate environment or a compassionate culture?
1: Well, after researching on the topic for more than three years, I have uh, concluded that companies do not act in a compassionate way because they do not understand that these indicators, profitability, productivity, efficiency are always the natural result of robust long-term relationship with different stakeholders, not only with employees, but also with customers, suppliers, the community, business partners. So when you nurture relationship with these stakeholders, this means that the key factor in business is the human being. When you nurture this relationship over time, this key indicator, profitability, productivity, efficiency, tend to be achieved in a natural way, in an organic way. Instead, when you focus only on this indicator, for example, profit, market share, sales, you tend to achieve profit by all means. In some cases, dismissing or deprecating relevant relationship with the stakeholders. So companies that are only focused on the bottom line tend to be dismissive regarding this relationship with employees, but also with customers, suppliers, and the community, and they behave in a non-compassionate way. Instead, when companies focus on this relationship, nurture this relationship over time, they try to brighten this relationship over time, tend to adopt an approach that I call the triple bottom line. They focus on profit, which are important. They focus on people individual like customers, employees, suppliers, community members, but also they focus on the planet. So this means that this company bring about positive economic impact, this mean economic result like profits, but also they bring about positive social impact and positive environmental impact. This is a much wider connotation of business, and this is much more sustainable over time. Companies can get away only focusing on economic result for the short term. But if you see a business from the medium-term and long-term perspective, companies are only sustainable when they nurture this relationship. Why? Because companies cannot survive without employees. They cannot survive without customers. They cannot survive without uh, the community, suppliers. A very famous uh, management guru, Stephen Covey observed, companies are interdependent. They rely on suppliers, employees, customers. So there is a network of contact that companies should nurture. And there is a famous principle in social psychology. This is called the principle of reciprocity. So when you treat employees in a kind, respectful, and caring way, these employees tend to reciprocate. They tend to support the company when the company is in need, when the company needs these employees to go the extra mile. Instead, when the employees are treated in a disrespectful way, they, they're not taken into account, uh, their contribution is not taken into account they're not allowed to give their opinion. They're not supported in challenging times. These employees will tend to act in similar way. They tend to withdraw. They tend to only work by the book. And this is what happened with many companies. Many companies have a very important turnover. Why? Because employees, even they might be be well-paid, they might switch from this company to other companies because they don't feel recognized from the non-economic perspective. For example, they don't feel respected. They don't feel acknowledged. They don't feel supported emotionally. And in some cases, emotional support is as important as economic support, because employees do not have only economic needs, good salary, what is important for livelihood, but also good compensation, but also other needs like social needs have a balance between work and the other life activities, but also, for example, emotional needs when they feel concerned or fearful or worried, they, this company do not support these employees. So we have to approach employees from a wider perspective. Employees is a, meta, and employees is a meta resource. It's a resource that generate other resources. Employees generate ideas, generate new services, generate new products, new business models. We have to care for these employees, like a, a precious resource. And I don't like the word resource that is very well used in human resources. I like to call them these human beings. These human beings yeah, have yeah. legitimate needs to be recognized.
0: Absolutely, and I love your focus on on a people centric uh, organization, but that extends beyond the employees within the organization. That extends to the broader community and society, customers, uh, of course, but also just society as a whole. So if we if we are um, valuing our people and our our spot within a broader system, we recognize the environmental. Outcomes and and outputs of what we do and the impacts that we make. We we recognize the social impacts, the economic impacts. All of these go into what the focus of our organization is, and it changes our our strategies and our thinking around how to be a more sustainable business. Because it's not just about how can I continue endlessly increasing profit. It's about you know uh, considering the implications of our business strategy on the external environment, the business environment, the, the social f- fabric of the community and the environmental um, you know, health of, of the world around us. And all of those elements are so important. It's, it's why the movement towards triple bottom line is, is gained so much momentum is because more and more people are recognizing that importance. And I think there are some, some companies that are really embracing it, other companies that are really slow to adopt and adapt. And I I think it's to their detriment because particularly younger employees, uh, younger millennials, Gen Z employees, they want to work for socially and environmentally responsible organizations that are gonna treat them well with dignity and respect, but also their customers. They're not going to exploit their, their employees. They're not going to exploit the customers. They're not going to exploit the environment. They're going to take their role seriously within the broader community. I think that's so very important. So if we if we think about all these different elements and again we, we clearly the case the business case the human case for compassion in the workplace is crystal clear. I'm not sure how anyone could argue with it um, yet many organizations still don't do it so the question then becomes well how how do we if, if anyone's listening to this and you think you know my organization I'd love for it to be this way but it's it's just not yet. So how do we start to make the steps towards a more compassionate workplace?
1: Very interesting question. Well, there is a very simple actionable tip that is be more generous with others. I devoted the whole chapter on generosity and business. There is a lot of research on generosity and business. So this means that when you are generous to others, you tend to focus on them. You're not self-centered. You focus on others. You try to add value to others. What do I mean by generosity? Because many will think that it's only being generous from the economic perspective. In the workplace, you can be generous in different ways. You can offer others tangible things. For example, a boss giving a pay rise to an employee. This is an economic compensation. This boss is generous from the economic perspective. But there are other aspects of generosity that could be even more important. For example, giving intangible things. For example, if the employees is concerned because they have, for example, children at home, they have to work from home, they have some challenging times with the family. Well, this boss can give an ear. They can listen to employees' concerns, but this boss can also give some support, some advice. This boss can give training to this employee. This uh, uh, boss can give also some uh, contacts for employees to get, uh, for example, in contact with other people. So this means that you can give tangible things and intangible things.
0: I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities, and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life.
1: And generosity, according to research, bring about stronger relationship, much more trust and cooperation bonds. And when you are generous. Also, others tend to reciprocate. Why? Because when you are generous with others, they feel indebted. They feel that you are giving more than they expected. And also, this in marketing is called positive disconfirmation. You surprise this, these people in a positive way, and they tend to give back. In some cases, they give back in a direct way, in other cases, they give back in an indirect way. For example, employees feel appreciated, supported. Uh, uh, and also they feel uh, cared by this organization, they tend to go the extra mile. They will tend to work more time without any additional compensation. When the company needs them, they will be there for the company. When the company needs their opinion, they will try to give the best ideas. Instead, when the company dismiss employees, as we mentioned before, employees tend to withdraw. They tend to work by the book. In some cases, they get even resentful and they may look for other job opportunities. What I see in many business environments, especially in workplaces, there is a lot of fear. People are fearful of losing their job. They're fearful, for example, of being outpaced by other colleagues. And fearful is the opposite to compassion. Why? Because when you are fearful, you are focused on threats, you're focused on a threatening factor, your discernment skills tend to be shut down temporarily, and you cannot hassle your potential, your your capabilities. So and the workplace, when it's fearful, tend to bring about all negative economic impact and economic parameters. Instead, when the work environment is nurtured, the company adopt a compassionate attitude toward these employees, for example, allowing them to have natural conversation, avoiding any, any tight deadlines that can put a lot of stress on employees. Avoiding any multitasking schemes that are very well used in many work environments that put a lot of pressure on employees, allowing employees to work flexible time. For example, working from home or having different time to work and also allowing employees to challenge with all these uh, difficult situations that we have nowadays. For example, uh, working from home, being with the family, Uh, in some cases, some employees don't have childcare and they have to deal with the children at home. So companies should be very understanding. And companies also to improve the work environment should be appreciative, thankfulness. There is a full chapter on thankfulness in the book that I mentioned, uh, the importance of appreciation to employees. When employees are appreciated, their value is enhanced. So appreciating is obviously increasing the price of a, a currency, for example, but can be used also for employees. When you are thankful, you are enhancing, you are acknowledging this value, this unique value offered by these employees. But when employees feel that they count, they try to go the extra mile. All employees like to feel supported. They like to feel loved. They like to feel cared for by this company. So company, for example, with a thank you note, writing a thank you note every time that the employee finishes a very important project or organizing an event, a virtual event, or an inside event where employee can be recognized publicly and they feel proud of their contribution to the company's purpose, these are simple ways that companies can use to uh, develop this long-term relationship with employees. Employees will remain in the company when employees' needs, not only economic needs, but emotional and social needs are satisfied. And only relationship can succeed when the needs of both parties, in this case, the company and the employees are met.
0: Yeah. Those are all excellent, excellent points. And it comes back to, uh, again, genuine and sincere caring, um, gratitude, listening to your people, showing empathy. It's not rocket science. It just requires you as a leader to be deliberate in focusing on the human needs of your people. And I, I recognize that that can be hard to do if you are caught up in the daily grind of work and you're feeling pressure from all sides and, you know, maybe you have that difficult employee that you're frustrated with and you're trying to deal with and, and, and maybe there's a lot of different, uh, problems and fires you're trying to put out. I get that leadership is hard. It, it is emotionally draining. Uh, it's, it's, it's not easy and, and not everyone is particularly well suited, uh, to be an effective leader. But we can learn how to do this. We can learn how to focus more on the human elements and to develop those relationships. There are really simple daily practices that we can put in place that if we just do it consistently, we will develop relationships, we'll develop trust, people will uh, be more willing to be vulnerable around us to share the difficulties that they're facing that allow us to show more compassion and empathy towards them, which, you know, is an upward spiral of, of trust and and relationship building. Uh, That happens as we simply will make a point of meeting with our people regularly. It can be formal meetings, one-on-ones, check-ins, but it can also just be informal opportunities to, to find those connective, um, Possibilities and to to build off of them, uh, and so I, you know I, it's not rocket science. We just need to focus on it. We need to commit at least a portion of our time as leaders daily to just be able to reach out, connect with our people, and listen to them, and and congratulate them, and show them how they're valued and how we're willing to support them and invest in them. That's a very different framing and a different way of. Of being with your employees than if we're constantly looking for mistakes and how to punish them. We're constantly looking for the failures and the gaps. If we can focus on the successes, we can focus on the learning and the process they're going through and developing themselves and helping the organization. People tend to want to thrive at work. People don't want to be failures, they want to be successful. If we can be supportive of them and help them learn as they go, yes. Will there be setbacks? Yes. Will there be times they make mistakes that could cost the company some money? Yes. But if we help them learn from those setbacks then in adopt a growth mindset, then, then those challenges, those difficulties, those failures even, if we want to even call them failures, will then be leveraged into learnings that will help them be more successful in the future and help the company to be more successful.
1: I agree completely. And I want to add to your points is the importance of having natural conversation in the workplace. Most of the conversation in the workplace are business oriented. So this means that you talk about budget, you talk about deadlines, you talk about business projects, you talk about strategy, and you never talk about the person. So all employees are take, are being taken into account as a means to an end. So I talk to this employee to know that they finish with this project. And they do not consider this employee company, do not consider these employees as an end themselves. So you cannot know the person, you know only the role. You don't know the person, the human being behind the role. And I always encourage companies to have much more natural conversation. For example, some events that are social, at least once a week, to talk about not business topic, not about the next strategy, not about the next product to be launched, but talk about how you are, how are you, how are you? Uh, how was uh, uh, your, your events during the week, the social event, not the business event? How, how are you feeling in this moment? In many work environments, you cannot talk about emotion. They are sterilized. You, you cannot talk about emotion because they believe that they will disturb the rational process of thinking, strategies, tactics. But in practice, there is a lot of research on emotional intelligence in the workplace. So we cannot leave emotion outside when we are entering the workplace. This comes with us. And these emotions are not expressed in a very intelligent way. They tend to be suppressed and repressed. So we have to allow employees to engage with one another and with managers in a very natural way. I have a whole chapter on natural conversation in the workplace. This means that you talk about topics that are not necessarily business-related, but you nurture this relationship with a human being. By doing so, then, There will be much more cooperative bonds and trusting bonds in in this workplace. So, first the human being and then the role. The role is also attached to the human being, it's not separate from the human being. And many companies try to separate the human being, should be left aside, all emotion, family problem left aside. And we want only the role. And the role is only a facade that is only to execute and make these uh, practices, but in practice, we have to consider the whole being the holistic view on the on the employee.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Bruno, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. The time has flown by. um, But I, you know, I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, I would love to have you back Uh, to continue the conversation, because what we're discussing is so vital and so important to organizations. But for today, uh, before we close, I want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, where they can find your book, how they can find out more about the work that you're doing, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Thank you very much. Well, my new book is titled The Art of Compassionate Business, Main Principle for the Human-Oriented Enterprise. This was published by Ruth This can be found offline and online. This is worldwide, and it's a best-selling book. Uh, They can find me also on LinkedIn. I have uh, around 20,000 followers. They can find my my post, but also they can find me in my website. Uh, You can check on www.brunosignaco.com or www.humanorientedenterprise.com. I want to leave a... this this conversation with few questions for insights. For example, I I challenge the reader to ask themselves this question. How can I be more supportive in this work environment? This is a very interesting question to reflect continually. How can I be more supportive in this workplace? How can I be much more other-oriented instead of self-centered? But also, how can I be much more cooperative? How can I be much more thankful with other colleagues? So, this is important because cooperation brings about trust. When you are cooperative, you tend to strengthen these bonds. Instead, when you are competitive, competition in the workplace tends to drive a, a, a very important a principle that is a fear based principle. People, when they are competitive, they try to outpace one another, they tend to beat one another. So, how can I be more cooperative? How can I be more thankful? And how can I be more supportive and grateful in the workplace?
0: I love it. I, I think if we can ask ourselves that question each and every day, uh, that'll do wonders for our focus and our attentiveness to the the humans that are around us and be perhaps a little bit more generous with those uh, around us. You know, when things are hard and, and maybe someone says something dumb or they do something, um, you know, I can be a little bit more generous in my interpretation of that and recognize that most people aren't trying to hurt me or harm me. Um, but we're all living messy lives uh, that are imperfect. And we, most people are doing the best they can. And if we can just all be there for each other and supportive and understanding and more generous and forgiving uh, that can really go a long way. Well, Bruno, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected with Bruno, to check out his book, check out more about what he can do to help you and your organization designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think.